You know, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? It is good to speak out about what God is doing in our lives. It's good to respond to His truth. Because, you know, God's Word wasn't just written just because God didn't have anything else to do. God gave us His Word to teach us how to live. And God, through His Word and through His Spirit, can change you. Isn't this amazing? He can change you to be like Jesus Christ. What a high, high bar that is. And this morning, I want to talk about the struggle that comes in that process. You ever feel like you're in a battle? You say, you're saying it with a smile on your face, Pastor, like it's something fun. No, it's not fun. Because I'm in the same battle with you. We're all in a struggle. It's real, isn't it? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, you are struggling. Some of us don't like to admit that. We come to church with our happy face on. But if you know the Lord, you are struggling. Some people like to pretend that the struggle doesn't exist or that somehow they have this unique ability and immunity to it. But if there is ever a person that comes to you and says, I have complete victory in every area of my life, they're lying to you. <laughs> Just trust. Brother Joe's with me. He's, he might even be ahead of me this morning. I don't know. But if you feel like you have complete victory, it's just a temporary feeling. It will quickly pass. Don't worry. And uh, you will feel the struggle. Once again, life is a struggle. Even the Christian life is a struggle. And there are any people that think, well, I thought I trusted in the Lord and He's taken away all my sin. Therefore, I should not struggle. This morning, I want to take some time to help you understand the struggle. Because if you don't understand it, you may face it and then you begin to doubt. Is the Word of God really true? Or maybe you begin to feel lonely. Am I the only one that deals with this? Why, why can't we all be as happy as, I don't know, there are not too many happy people here. Maybe there's somebody that's happy. Be as happy as Brother Matt. He always has a smile on his face. I don't know, his wife lives with him. She could probably tell us otherwise. But I, I would just want to be as happy as, and you fill in the blank, somebody that seems happy. Brother Lewis, he's just a happy fellow. I want to be as happy as him. But there's some people here that live with him, so maybe he's not always happy too. I don't know. Why? Because the struggle is real. In fact, it's interesting to me that in the Word of God, it speaks a lot about struggle. Sometimes we get this idea that God's Word and we just hear those promise passages, the exciting things. Well, did you know the Bible also promises that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? That's not in your 50 books or 50 promises book to get you through the day, right? That's not one of those like, oh, this is today's promise for the day that I'm going to be persecuting. I'm going to be, be persecuted. I'm going to suffer. No, that's not one we like to claim. And yet it's in there just like all the other promises. The struggle, the suffering, the fight, the battle is real. And it's the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. One of, maybe, you would even call him the greatest Christian that ever lived. He wrote about this struggle. Not as somebody who had never experienced it, 
Not as somebody who had just experienced it in the past and he was telling you how he got victory and he was no longer struggling. But rather he wrote as somebody who was right in the middle of a difficult time. Romans chapter 7, that's our text this morning. Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul records for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit some of his struggle of life. And I think as we look at his words this morning, the word of God for us this morning, you just might find yourself in this passage of Scripture. Some of you are saying, this sounds a lot like what we heard Wednesday night. Well, there was just a handful of you here Wednesday night. So you're going to get it a little bit again. But the Lord's kept working on me, so it's, it's a little more than you got Wednesday night. So I'm not going to apologize for that. Just letting you know ahead of time. It sounds familiar. It's because it is. But it's something that I, God just hasn't let me get past. And I felt like I needed to. I just prayed. I had a whole other message. I was ready to be back in Acts. I've got, I'm ready to go for next week. Acts chapter 6, the end of the chapter, beginning of 7. Stephen's sermon. It's going to be great. I'm excited to get back there. But we need some time here this morning to talk about the struggle of the Spirit. Because here's the thing. I've been struggling. And I've been looking around at faces, too, and and watching body language. Even like last Sunday, there was struggle going on here, too. And even as I start talking about this, just in the introduction this morning, can you feel it? There's people struggling around you. Yeah, some, some of you are struggling as well. And that's why it gets quiet, right? It's not because I'm the master orator. We know that's not true. It's because this is a real thing. And we all face it in one regard or another. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand with me as we read, beginning in verse 15. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And we'll read down through, we'll stop at the beginning, or we'll read down through verse 24. Romans chapter 7, verse 15, For that which I do, I allow not. Now that phrase may be a little confusing to you, so let me just give you a brief explanation because it will help the whole rest of it make sense. This is like Paul making an expression like a little child when, you, when he's done wrong and you look at him and say, Why did you do that? And you go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's Paul here saying, What I'm doing, I'm not even sure why I'm doing it. He says, for that which I do, I allow not for what I would, that do I not. For the things I want to do, I'm not doing. But what I hate, that do I. Sound familiar yet? If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, you read that verse, and some of you might say, well, it sounds like he's just passing the blame. He's not taking ownership of his own sin. He's blaming it on something else. We'll get back to that in a minute. Understand that's not what he's doing. Verse 18, for I know that in me, and then he clarifies for us, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Boy, that would help some of us this morning to realize that in our flesh dwells no good thing, right? As we came in this morning, some of you did, feeling like you were pretty good. And it's not true. There's none good but God. 
For to will is present with me. I want to do the right thing. But how to perform that, which is good, I find not. I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the strength. I don't know how to follow through on what I know is the right thing to do. Again, very familiar. That's where we live sometimes. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He repeats that theme that he just started there in verse 17. Verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringeth me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Lord, help us now as we continue to look at your word together. Encourage us. Help somebody today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Notice where the war, where the battle is taking place. It's in your mind. It's in your mind. Probably the most difficult battle you will ever face is in your mind. It's not out here, it's in here. And if we could get victory of the war that's in our mind, it would really change us, wouldn't it? Because there are a lot of people trying to change the outside. You got up this morning, you took a shower, maybe, I hope. You put on clean clothes. Hopefully you didn't just pick them up off the floor. Well, these worked yesterday, they'll work again today, right? You put on clean clothes, you got ready, you came to church. You've done a lot of work on the outside. But the outside is hard enough to deal with because, you know, the aches and pains and, you know, hair falling out and turning different colors and all different things. Outside's tough enough, but the inside's where the real battle is taking place this morning. And if you're a believer in Christ, there's a war going on in your mind. And anybody that pretends it's not there is just pretending. It's not, they, they, they don't understand. See, the day that you trusted Christ and the Holy Spirit came into your life, you began to struggle. As a child of God, you were given a new nature by His Holy Spirit. And what a blessing that is. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And as a child of God, you were given a new nature. That means the Holy Spirit brought into your life a new set of desires, a new creature with all the potential to live a holy and godly life. And that's what we preach. That's what we study from God's Word is how to live holy lives, how to live a godly life that's pleasing to God. And yet so many people give up in the process because of the struggle. And this neighborhood is full of people who at one time or another went to a church, maybe even made a profession of faith, perhaps even got baptized and joined the church. And yet now they're not there anymore. What happened? Well, there's lots of different stories, I understand. But in many cases, it was because they couldn't handle the struggle. The struggle of other believers who were hypocrites, 
the struggle of attacks against them, the struggle of just that constant up and down with besetting sins that they just never seem to be able to get over. And finally they just said, you know what? It would just be easier to stay home. It would just be easier to just get out of the fight. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. Because in one sense, it's true. It would be easier to not have to struggle. I was really encouraged on Saturday morning, we were discussing with the teens the message on low expectations. I said, why do you think so many people live for low expectations? They don't push to do anything else. And one of the teen boys said, I think it was Sam, he said, because it's easier. He's right. If you aim at nothing, always hit it. Right? If you don't try, then you can't fail. That's how people view life. The problem with that view of life is that is not pleasing to God. The problem with that view of life is that's not who God has called us to be. The fact with that view of life is that's not allowing God to demonstrate His work in us to the praise of His glory. This life is not all about you. It's not all about me. It's all about Him. When you got saved, your old nature, or as the Bible sometimes refers to it, your old man, it was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, in other words, this sin nature was done away with and you were given a new nature with good desires through the Spirit. Now, in this light, it seems as though the struggle against the sinful or the sins of this world would have been utterly done away with at salvation. Right? I mean, if He's given me a new nature, if I now desire to follow Him, if all my sins are forgiven, then why am I still struggling? And we run into this thing where personal experience doesn't seem to match up with our understanding of God's Word. And when those things don't work together, here's the reality. We tend to trust personal experience over the Word of God. I know we wouldn't say that out loud. But our life's choices demonstrate that we trust our experience more than we trust the Word of God. So what I want to help you with this morning in the beginning of this message is to help you see how your personal experience actually matches up with the Word of God. And then show you how from the Word of God, you can now bring its truth to bear on your experience so that you can experience growth and change in your life to be the person that God wants you to be. So instead of living in doubt and struggle because... Well, my experience doesn't fit with the Bible. I mean, I'm supposed to have victory and strength through Christ, but I don't experience so. Like people say, well, you just don't have enough faith, right? There's a lot of places that will preach that, right? The reason you don't have a good job is because you don't have enough faith. The reason because you're sick is because you don't have enough faith. Here's the thing. We do need faith. But the struggle is real. 
It's not the size of the faith that makes the difference. Because Jesus said, if you even had faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it be so. It's not the size of the faith. It's the object of your faith. It's who your faith is in. Because you could have a whole lot of faith in me this morning. And guess what? I'd let you down at some point. Because I'm not a good object for all of your faith. You need to put your faith in the only one who can keep you from falling. Who will never let you down. And that's in him. And there's a lot of people that are struggling because they put their faith in themselves. They put their faith in other people. They put their, put their faith in a pastor, in a church. And they got let down. Human experience and the word of God. Do they match up or are they totally opposed to one another? Is following the word of God some sort of super spiritual thing that only, you know, really special people figure out and then there's the rest of us? No. The devil wants you to believe that you're all alone in this. But there is no temptation taken us, but it's such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So when you come to church or when you're around other believers and you think, well, nobody understands me. I have a struggle that nobody else can relate to. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Because when he can get you alone, right, the devil like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, when the devil can get you off by yourself, he's got you right where he wants you. You're discouraged, you're alone, you're frustrated, you're, you're kind of doubting the truth of God's word. You're easy prey. When you come, understand, the people here are going through some of the same kinds of struggles that you are. The people here who have weaknesses, they might be the same as some of your weaknesses. But here's a blessing. Some of them where you're weak, they are strong. And in areas where they're weak, you are strong. And together, God can do a great work through his church, through his body of helping to build people up to follow him. This struggle is probably the most difficult and frustrating experience of the Christian life. But even in the middle of this struggle, there is hope and there is a path to victory and eventually complete deliverance. So this morning, I'm, I don't want to just commiserate with you about the struggle because that would feel good. We'd all talk about it and then we'd go home and keep struggling. I want to give you the path to victory. I want to give you some hope. So let's examine this struggle more closely, because if you don't understand it, again, you will no doubt become frustrated and maybe even quit altogether. The devil would love for you to believe that you can't win. That this is a battle that is not even worth fighting because you cannot win it. He would love to have you think that your old nature is still alive and that you have no hope of real transformation. So let's look back at our text together. Because here Paul is explaining his struggle. I mean, even the way it's written sounds like a guy who's struggling. I want to do this, but I do that. The things I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Things I should be doing, I'm not doing. It just is, oh, back and forth. And that's how life feels sometimes, right? It's a good old roller coaster. I want to go back to verse 17 because we were talking about that as I read through it, 
and explain again this is this distinction that Paul makes when he says, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. This is not blame shifting. This is the truth. Paul is saying, in essence, the real me, the, the new me, the new nature that I have in Christ desires to do good. But the power of sin in me, my flesh, still fights against the performance of good. The heart, the inward man can delight in the laws of God. While the power of sin in his members or in his body wars against the laws of God. If you got some notes, there's some points to fill in the blanks here. Number one is this. After salvation, you are a new creature living in an old body. And if you weren't sure that you were an old body... I was reminded of it this weekend as I was with the teens. We were having a great time. And I made some comment about, you know, I remember the teen years very well, just like they were yesterday, and life is really moving fast. You know, I'm I'm in my 30s now. Hey, I'm 37. One of the teens go, oh, I thought you were at least 40. (laughs) The brutal, harsh truth, right? Aren't you thankful? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings of men. They'll tell you the truth. They'll let you know. We know we have an old body. But it's not just physically getting old. Spiritually, this body is dead. It's, it's, it, it, it is actually wants to sin and do sinful things because that's the habits. You were born in sin. You were born with a sin nature. When you got saved... God gave you a new nature. He gave you a spirit, but he hasn't given you a new body yet. So you are, if you're saved this morning, you are a new creature living in an old body. And being saved very simply means this, that you have confessed your sin to Christ. You've confessed your sin to God. You've admitted to him that you're a sinner. And you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone to save you. You're not trusting in just the fact that you came here to church this morning or that you're a good person or that you give money to charity or that you haven't done anything too bad. Your faith, your trust, your hope must be in Christ and in Christ alone. It's about what He's done for you, not what you can do for Him. That's salvation. Now, I could, we could talk for salva- about salvation for weeks and weeks. There's much more that we could say about it. But very simply put, that's salvation. It's you not trusting yourself or anyone else. It's you saying, I'm trusting in Jesus to forgive me of my sin. But after salvation, you are now a new creature living in an old body. And the two are fighting for control of your life every single day. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says it this way, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You must understand the difference between having a new nature and having a sin nature. Because you were born with that sin nature, and if that's all you still have, it is your nature to sin, and you are doomed to fail. Because you can't do anything else. That's an unbeliever. That's somebody who doesn't have Christ. They have that sin nature. 
There's no hope for that person except in Christ. But if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, He gives you a new nature. So if it is you have this new nature, it is now your nature to be able to do good. And through the power of God, this new nature can overcome the fleshly habits, the sinful desires. But here's the reality this morning. In Christian growth, you will never move beyond your belief. If you don't understand and trust in the fact that God has given you a new nature, you might as well just pull over and park the car now because you're not going to go any further in your spiritual growth. We have to believe that God is who He says He is. Remember what Hebrews 11 says? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it also says this, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe, here it is, that He is. Do you believe that God is who He says He is? And also that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Your Christian growth will never go beyond your belief in who God is and what God wants you to do. You say, well, how, how do I get that? Well, it starts by understanding and learning who He is. That's why we want to spend time studying God's Word. Paul wrote and he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This sounds like a lot of work. This sounds hard. I heard a good statement the other day, yesterday. Doing right is hard. It is. But sin is hard as well. You get to choose your hard. Which hard are you going to choose? The one that results in terrible consequences? Are you going to choose the hard things of following after the Lord, the struggle of the flesh against the spirit? Because here's the difference. The sin, the choice to sin feels easy. The devil wants it that way. Your flesh is naturally bent that way. I mean, it's just that's where it goes. It's like a stick that grew out of a tree, a branch that just grew in, with a curve. And if you try to straighten that thing out, it just wants to spring right back to how it grew because that's where it's bent. That's, that, that's how it was, how it grew. And that's you. You and I are all bent. We're all crooked. In fact, the Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Now the Holy Spirit's coming to do His work in us. God's given us His new nature and He's straightening us out. He's putting us on the straight and narrow way. He's conforming us, shaping us, molding us, or as Romans 12, 2 says, transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. After salvation, you are a new creature living in an old body. Number two, believing what God says about your new nature is key to experiencing spiritual growth and victory through the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. That was a long point, long statement. Believing what God says about your new nature, who you are in Christ, is key to experiencing spiritual growth and victory 
through the Holy Spirit. He's given you this new nature, as the Bible refers to it as a new man. Ephesians talks about this new man. In chapter 4, in verse 24, it says, And that she put on the new man, that's the new nature, which, listen to what this new nature is like, after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, this is why the new nature is able to do good, because it's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. You can't live a righteous or holy life in your own strength. You can't do it on your own. But with the new nature that God has given you, when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, He's given you this new nature which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Now, do you remember back in creation, from the book of Genesis, when God created man and woman, the Bible says he created them in his image. So I thought we were already in the image of God. We are. But here's what happened. Sin. Sin came and it corrupted that image in us. And so to restore that image requires death to self, death to sin, and being made alive to Christ. And that's only done through the power of God as he saves us. He gives us new birth and new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I was looking this up. You know, in the Greek, that idea of become, that's a, that's a process that's still taking place. It's still becoming new. Yes, in the eyes of God, all things are become new. We are positionally in Christ. We are sanctified. We're set apart. But practically speaking, there's still an ongoing process of sanctification taking place in every one of our lives. It's still becoming new. When God sees you, He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us from all sin. But practically, we're still living in the process. That's why there's a struggle the flesh against the spirit. So number three, as we're starting to understand this struggle, I hope you're understanding the new nature and the old nature, the new man and the old man, the flesh, the body, as opposed to the new nature that you have in Christ, and that's why there's a struggle. So how do we deal with it? What are we supposed to do? Well, Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Go back to our text in Romans chapter 7. Paul says it this way in verse 20, Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments here. He's saying, this is what is naturally taking place. When I want to do good, evil is present with me. But what does he do? Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's why following after what Ephesians 4.22 says, we have to put off the old man and put on the new man. That's delighting in the ways of God, in the law of God. That's a process. It's a transfer that takes place. Putting off, putting on. 
We talked about those clothes, right? Putting off the old clothes, putting on new clothes. But in the middle, there's a process of renewal, renewing your mind. A lot of people, I, I've seen it happen. You probably have too. Maybe you've even done this. You come to church or you try to walk with God and you, and you just try to throw off the old clothes and just put on the new thing. I'm going to do all the right stuff now and that's going to fix my problems. And then you fall flat on your face. What happened? You're not renewing your mind. Where's the battle at? Is it out here or is it in here? It's inside. The reason you're still flailing around struggling is you're, you're trying really hard to put on new clothes. You're trying to put on the right things on the outside. You're trying to do what you're supposed to do and say the right things and be the right kind of person. And you're saying, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And you've got it all wrong because it's already been done. Jesus Christ already died in your place. He already paid for your sins. You're trying to earn something or get something. If I just do all these things right, if I get it all together, then I'll be okay. Put off the old and then start renewing your mind. And as, you start as your mind starts being renewed and changed, Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As that renewal process begins to take place, then all of a sudden putting on those new things starts to make more sense. Things start to fit. Things that used to be really uncomfortable now become more comfortable. Why? Because your mind's been renewed. It's changing the way you're thinking. If you get the cart before the horse, it just doesn't work very well. And this renewal process, this is not a one-time thing. It's not like, all right, right now I'm in the put-off phase of my Christian life. Okay, now I've moved over. I am now renewing. Don't mess with me. I'm over here renewing my mind. And some people treat it that way. I can't grow. I can't serve. I can't do anything. I'm still renewing. We're like, well, let us know whenever. <laughs> and then, okay, now I'm ready to put on and do something. No, that's not how this is talking about. It's a daily continual process of putting off, renewing, and putting on. It's almost like every morning when you get up, Lord, I've already, I think I already have a bad attitude about today. I'm not looking forward to what I'm about to face. I'm going to have to go see that person at work. I, I'm going to have to go deal with that family member. That voicemail that I've been refusing to return for three days, it's still sitting there on my phone. That text message, I know how some of you are. Because I text you and don't hear back for days. But then I'll talk to somebody else. Hey, have you heard? Oh, yeah, they text me right back. Listen, I do the same thing sometimes, right? You respond quickly to the people that you want to respond quickly to. See, with the Lord, it's that daily process. All right, Lord, putting it off, confessing. I'm still messed up. I still got this flesh. Stop walking around thinking, well, I, I can't believe I would have to confess today. I, I haven't, you know, I, I, I'm a lot better person now. You're still a fleshly person. But you have a new nature. So confess it and then start renewing. Get in the word of God. God's given you. He's given me. He's given us everything we need 
Peter wrote in his epistle that his word has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Renew your mind. Read God's word. Meditate upon God's word. A lot of people look at, well, I don't like reading my Bible. It doesn't help me. I, I read my Bible for a long time, and look where I'm at. I still have all these problems. It's because you thought the Bible was like some magic pill, and you just take it in, and no more struggles. No, it's a continual process. It's a process. Putting off, renewing your mind, and then putting on the right things in its place. And I don't want to take the illustration too far, but we don't need you running around without any clothes on, right? <laughs> Renew your mind. Put on the right things in its place and go on and keep serving the Lord. And then the next day you're going to have to put off again. Renew and put on. Sometimes that's more than just a daily thing. That's a moment-by-moment moment thing. Each day you will face the struggle of the flesh against the spirit. And each day you will make a decision to either put on the new man and walk in newness of life, walk in the ways of the Lord, or to walk in the ways of the old flesh. I'm not talking about getting saved and losing your salvation. I'm not about the process of sanctification. But there are some of you that maybe even struggle and feel like maybe you lost your salvation. Well, either maybe you didn't have it in the first place, or... Maybe you're not walking in the Spirit. Therefore, you don't sense the leading of the Spirit in your life. If that's you this morning, listen. I'm not berating you or beating you up for that. That's, your rea that, that's the reality you're living in right now. That's a struggle, and it hurts. But you don't have to stay away from God and just say, well, it's where I'm at. There's nothing. I don't know what to do. Come back to Him. Come, come just as you are. We sing just as I am without looking. Come back to Him. Confess your sin, trust in the Lord, and start walking with Him. Don't let your pride of who you once were and what are people going to think now keep you from coming back to the Lord. Don't let other people and your excuses based on other people keep you from the best relationship you could ever have, your relationship with the Lord. The devil would love to remind you of people who have hurt you, people who have wronged you, people that have lied to you. He'd love to remind you of all your past struggles and all your failures and tell you that, you know what, you're no good anyway. Well, thank you. That, that is true, devil. I'm no good. But Jesus loved me and he died for me. And so I'm not standing here based in my righteousness and my goodness. I'm here because of what Jesus has done for me. And you can be too. And I know many of you are. But I want to encourage you. The struggle is real. To deal with it requires this putting off and putting on. Salvation is a one-time decision. But a lot happened when you were saved and a lot continues to happen. There's this threefold process to really completely work out the work of redemption in your life. Salvation, if you've trusted Christ, it, it's once for all. But there's still this process of it being worked out in your life. What do I mean by that? Well, the first part of that process, it's number four in your notes, it's rebirth. See, rebirth is immediate at salvation. 
Rebirth was the miracle of the moment of salvation. Your spirit was made new and the Holy Spirit came into your heart. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, talking to Nicodemus, this religious leader, he said, Verily, verily, I said unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Has there been a time in your life when you can say, I was born again? All of you have been born once. That's why you're here. Have you been born again? I think there ought to be a place that you can look back to in your life and say, I know I was born again. You may have forgotten the exact moment in time, but you know there was a time that I didn't know Christ, and now I've been born again. I'm trusting in Him. Jesus said again to Nicodemus in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Rebirth is immediate at salvation. Renewal then, this is number five, renewal is a lifelong daily process. Renewal is the process of a lifetime. This is sanctification whereby God transforms my heart from the inside out. I've already quoted it once, but I'll quote it again. Romans 12, 2. And be not, tra- be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4, 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man, that's the flesh, though it perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know the song? Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. It's day by day. The inward man has to be renewed every day. And if you've gone a long time without your inward man being renewed through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that's why the struggle feels even more powerful in your life. It's like you've been on a roller coaster and you came over the hill and you're coming down the other side and you're just picking up speed and momentum and it just seems to get harder and harder and you feel that force pressing into you more and more and more. I don't know if I can endure this. I don't know how to get out of this. Trust in the Lord. I think it's Colossians 2 that says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You had to come to him by faith. You had to come to him acknowledging that you're nothing. You have to walk the same way. Walk ye in him. And then finally this morning, redemption is a future promise. I want to explain what I mean by that. You're going to see it right from the word of God. Paul uses this term to describe this future promise just one chapter over in Romans chapter 8. Some of you say, wait, redemption, I thought I was redeemed. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Yes. But he's talking about the redemption of your body. You've been given the new man if you're saved. What about the body? Redemption is the final step of salvation when your sinful flesh will be traded for a new body, a perfect body without sinful tendencies. This won't happen until 
we see the Lord at the, at the end of this life. That's when our faith becomes sight. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. It might be on the same page or just over one page in your Bible. Romans 8, verse 23, and says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We've already received Christ. We have the demonstration of the Spirit at work in our life. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Say, Paul, I thought the struggle was over in Romans 7. You're still struggling in chapter 8. Yes, because the struggle carries on. The groaning within ourselves. Waiting, he says, for the adoption. To wit, or in other words, the redemption of our body. When Jesus died to save you from your sin, when you trusted in Him as your Savior, He redeemed your soul, gave you a new nature. But your body? This old body hadn't, is not redeemed. That's why your personal experience doesn't always feel like it matches up with the truth of God's Word. I know what God says, I know who He says I am, but it just doesn't feel like it. Well, because your body's not redeemed. You're still in an old body. That's why you still have aches and pains and struggles and hurts. But you already have the new nature if you've received Christ. You already have the new nature inside of you. But you still are living in an unredeemed body. And that's why Paul says this struggle, he said it, it perfect body where we'll live forever with Christ for eternity. This has helped some of you this morning because in your mind you've been struggling with why does my experience not seem to fit, the struggle of my experience doesn't seem to fit with the truth of God's word. I'm a believer, I've trusted in Christ, but I'm still struggling. Why? Because you're, but it will be one day very soon. So why does this matter? Well, until your body is redeemed, you will be continually undergoing God's process of transformation and renewal. In this life, you're not going to get to a place where you've just arrived. That'd be as, as cool as me just levitating up on this stage. If I could really do it, there'd be strings or something hanging from up above, holding me up. Can't do it in my own strength. Spiritually, you're not going to just find this magical plane where you're never going to suffer or struggle anymore until your body is redeemed. So with every passing day, the Holy Spirit desires to live out the character of Jesus Christ. It's the thing here. This isn't just the past that says, well, as long as my mind's right, it doesn't matter what I do with my body because it's sinful. Paul's not giving himself a pass. He's just saying, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Some people would take this kind of, uh, of, of the Word of God and, and take it and pull it out and not use the other scriptures that help us to understand, no, I still have to do right. 
I still have to make right choices, but I'm still going to struggle with sin. The struggle in Romans 7 is often frustrating, but God chose the process. I don't know the mind of God on this particular issue of all the things he's thinking. I don't think we can know the mind of God on everything he might be thinking, or all of his reasons behind doing something. But I think I could at least speculate that by allowing us to still struggle in this life, helps us to be continually reminded of who we are and where we would be without Christ. It keeps us humble and dependent upon Him. So I'm not going to apologize for the struggle because I would say this, it's good. It's good because God has ordained it. He's allowed it. And it's the process by which he's working in your life to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. And he's doing this to the praise of his glory. So that we're not walking around saying, well, man, I, just, I got it all figured out. I'm just perfect now. Rather, we say, let me tell you about what the Lord has done. Amen. That's why we're going to take time for testimonies tonight. Not to glorify ourselves. Well, let me tell you, I was such a horrible person. No. We're all horrible people. Yeah, I, I did some, I've done some things wrong. Yes, made some wrong choices. No, I didn't grow up like you did, perhaps. I don't know what your story would be. But by the grace of God, He saved me. Because we're here for His yeah. glory, not for ours. I heard somebody talking about testimonies, they, and they said, some Christians don't understand what a testimony is. They, it's there to give a testament to who God is and what he's done. They use them more as bragamonies. <laughs> they want to tell you about all the stuff they've done. Don't brag. Don't brag on yourself. Boast in him yes. and what he's done. The Christian life is full of struggles, but there are victories along the way. Well, we will not live in constant victory until we reach heaven someday. Growth is possible. And it is possible to deal with sin, temptation, and our flesh and grow in our walk with God. Look back with me at Romans chapter 7. Paul said it in verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who's going to deliver you? God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The struggle still reaches. Now, as we finish our time in the Word this morning, I want to invite you this morning to Reflect on your own life and your own struggles. Because here's the danger that I'm concerned about in our church. Is that as we continue to celebrate the goodness of God and the growth that he brings and the changed lives and the baptisms and people say, that's all exciting. That there may be some of you, and I'll say us, myself included, where we are having a real struggle with sin but rather than dealing with it, 
we're ignoring it. We're trying to pretend that it really doesn't hurt. It's really not that bad of a thing. And we're just kind of going around it and going on with our life, just trying to pretend that it doesn't exist. That's a real danger for the Christian who has experienced some growth and has experienced some change in their life. Because then you get to a point that all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm kind of worried what people think if I actually admit that I have a struggle. And so we just push it down and we keep on going, just tough it out. And so people will go around with sin that they won't touch in their own life. They know it's there. They're not confessing it. They're not forsaking it. They're not renewing their mind. They're not putting it off. They're not putting on the right things in that particular area because they know. Or they at least think they know if they touch it, if they mess with it, it'll just blow up all over and it'll make a big mess. And they say, it'd be better just for me to carry this around and try to pretend that it's not there than to actually deal with the problem. And here's the problem with that kind of thinking. The Bible in the book of Hebrews tells us that we are running a race. And it says this, that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. That's what grabs onto us and holds us back. And it says, and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My challenge to you this morning is not to be a perfect Christian, because you won't be, that you can pursue the perfection of Jesus Christ. But my challenge to you this morning is to examine your own heart. Like King David did, said, search me, O God, and say, Lord, if there's something in me that is wrong, don't let my pride keep me from making it right. You may have been coming here for all four years at the church. Or maybe you just started coming recently. Maybe you've come in and people think you've got it all together. You look good. You, you know the right verses. You say the right things. But you're carrying around this weight. Past hurt, past struggle, past problem, whatever it is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. I don't need to know what it is but it would really help you and it will help your relationship with the Lord and it would even help this body if you would get serious about that weight and put it off stop walking around with this open wound and you say well it's not that bad I'll deal with it later no the more you walk around with that the slower you go, the more opportunity for infection and problem to yourself in a much greater way and to others around you. It always feels harder to deal with it. Nobody likes surgery. But surgery done well on the right thing at the right time in the right way results in healing in the long run. And I'm not just telling you, you may say, well, I don't trust the medical community. This is not the medical community. This is the Holy Spirit. And when he does his work, when he does his cutting with the word of God, he's been doing his cutting on me all week. If he's working on you this morning, in just a moment as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I would invite you to come. 
not for me, not for anybody else here, but for your relationship with him and start the process of making it right. Start with admitting your struggle. Confess it to him. And here's the beautiful thing about a body. We have people all around, myself included, that would love to help you to continue the process of putting off, renewing, and putting on. Some people look at the process, I don't even want to get into it. It's just going to be too painful. It might be painful, but it's the path to healing and growth in your life. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. Would you trust him enough to let him deal with that hurt, that pain, that sin that you've carried around? I mean, if you could trust him for salvation for eternity, then why can't you trust him to take care of that problem right here that you've been carrying around? Don't hold back on God. Don't hold anything back from you. This is not a message picking on any person. This is what God's doing in my heart, and I hope that he's doing the same thing in yours. Follow him. Obey him. Do it for him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. As I look around this room this morning, I know that the vast majority of the people here would say they love you as well. Maybe somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior. Lord, if there's somebody like that, I pray that they would come to you and trust in you today, that even as this, as the piano plays in just a moment, they may even come down and just talk to me. And If you would like to be saved, just come and shake my hand and I'll take the Word of God and have somebody else to come and help you to know how you can be saved. But Lord, I, I've, I, I sense the struggle in my own heart and the struggle in other people in this room. And Lord, we need to have some time right now with you. We realize the struggle. We understand it. We can't keep making excuses that, well, that's just my experience. And I, I, I'm not worried. Lord, help us to get it right today and start down the right path. This doesn't fix everything forever because there's still struggle, but it starts us in the right direction of following. Help us now. Bring healing to the hurting soul today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The piano's playing. Some have already come.